0: and we are back for another saturday afternoon just after 12 o'clock dr lou is here the dr Payne show 416-870-6400 star 640 on cell uh, i was good to do two hours last week we'll do that again for sure a yep. lot of phone calls your uh, sure. your questions your uh, problems physically and otherwise. We'll get to the bottom of them here over the next hour with, uh, with Dr. Lucille. What, uh, what's happening this week or the week that was? Yeah. Uh, very interesting.
1: Uh, I wouldn't say the case per itself was not interesting, but what was interesting about this next, uh, case that I want to talk about is the fear tactics that a lot of healthcare professionals are using out there to try to get, uh, people to, you know, stay with them, get care with them, et cetera, et cetera. And I kind of find that a bit horrendous that mm-hmm. people would do those types of things. So I had this, uh, uh, young lady, 22 years old, uh, who came in to see me. She, her mother is a patient of mine. Uh, the story goes uh, that she, she's got some psychological issues going on. She's, you know, um, she was uh, started experiencing some neck pain. Mm-hmm. Uh, a friend of hers, or some, or I can't remember if it was a friend or a colleague, someone told her to go see this healthcare professional, who I'm not going to name. I'm not going to say what the the profession is, et cetera, et cetera. And she goes to see this person. This person starts goes through a history and assessment, yep. determines she has uh, scoliosis uh, in her spine, and then starts to basically tell her how dangerous scoliosis is, all the things that it can lead to, uh, really starts to scare her, et cetera, et cetera. Thanks, and this happened uh, a few months ago and over the last few months, uh, f- based on what I, I've heard from her mom when she called me to say she was going to bring her daughter in, was that her daughter's been going crazy, like absolutely worried about everything and just doesn't know what this means, how it's going to affect her health, and the things that she was being told that this could lead to so many serious problems. Uh, It could even be one day life-threatening, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, there are sometimes certain scoliosis uh, that can be very severe and do need to have you know, surgery or be monitored and can be dangerous. But they're very severe cases, usually more than 30 to 45 degrees of a curve. These are people that it's very, very evident just by looking at them. You don't even need to be a healthcare professional to know that there's a curve in the spine if it's that bad. And so, you know, all of a sudden she presents to my office with her mom. She's filling out uh, paperwork before she comes in to see me. And already looking at her, and based on the story that I know, I know this is Nothing bad. I know this is not a severe scoliosis like she's been told, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm thinking I'm just going to go into the room. I'm going to obviously assess her, and then I'll take a look at it. I'll figure out what exactly is causing her neck pain. I'll reassure her, and should be should be that simple. She comes into the, to the treatment room with me, the assessment room. I start speaking with her. Right away, I get a sense of how anxious she is because, again, she's
0: been... Now, it's a mental component.
1: Well, yeah, and she's been so scared. She's already got some underlying anxiety issues, then someone scared her with uh, potential detrimental health things, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And now she's just like losing it. Control, like, man. and you could tell that this girl's so anxious, so worried. Yep. Uh, doesn't know what's going on. Um, and so I just start speaking to her. I get a sense of okay, when did this neck pain start? Etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I get, you know, I start speaking to her. I understand what she's doing for work, and this just happens to be after I physically examine her. She doesn't have, she does have neck pain, but it's not due to the scoliosis. It's just due to her job. She sits at a desk. She does a lot of work. So the typical mechanical neck pain right. that you would have from those things um and again, she has a very, very mild scoliosis, and most people have a little bit of sort a scoliosis of yeah. just because of the way the heart lays in that area of the body and puts pressure, so nothing severe at all. She's also 22, 23 years old, so this isn't going to progress any further. Even if she did have a scoliosis, once you become skeletally mature, it stops progressing. Um, but whoever she saw made her believe that this can continue to get worse. It could lead to serious health problems. So I said to her, I said, You know, like nothing is going on here. There's nothing more than just some simple neck pain. And she turned to me and she said, so I'm not going to die. And I laughed a little bit because I thought she was joking. Uh, And then she just kind of looked at me with like complete seriousness. And I just got a sense of like, wow, this girl has been scared to the point where she thought something like a scoliosis was going to kill her. And I was, and I just found it horrendous that a healthcare professional out there would be saying those types of things to individuals, be scaring them in order to get care, whatever it may be. It's just, it's so sad to hear. And, uh, And, you know, that's one of the things that I try to do, obviously, all the time is be very, very honest with people. And if they have something that I believe is serious going on, then I'm going to send them the right people to deal with those serious things. But, you know, the point of this story and the point of this case and for the listeners, if you're dealing with anybody who you feel and usually people have a sense of these things where people will come in and say, well, you know, I think this guy's you know, saying some things that I don't really agree with. If you have that sense, that is something you should try to figure out. Are they, you know, are they just using a fear tactic? Or is this for real? Could this potentially be something dangerous? So, uh really sad case. Uh The good news is, you know, uh, I'm working with her now. She's She seemed, she was already put at ease just after that co- first conversation with her. Um, and, you know, I don't think that fear tactics should be part of healthcare. It should be about education and empowerment. Even if you believe your patients have something potentially dangerous going on, you don't have to scare them. You can educate them. You can give them their options uh, and treat them the right way. But sometimes in situations like this, this is totally, you know, It's it's fraud in a way, I believe, that you're you're telling someone these types
0: of things, and it's just not true. Do you think it speaks to a second opinion as well? Because, I mean, I know I had a a little... Skin thing taken off my eye and the guy who did it, dermatologist said, Yeah, that's basal cell. You've got you know early stage skin cancer. And of course you freak out. Of course, yeah. And then I, I had it checked in at a lab and the guy's like, Skin, no, 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 it's just a piece of Aaron's skin. No. Skin cancer? who told you that? And I go, the guy the guy I'm about to drive back to and smack in the face. That's who told me. <laughs> well, don't go smacking people right? in the face. What is but that? no,
1: you're absolutely right. Second opinions are extremely important. Yeah. In fact, even the patients that I see, my own patients, I will often also tell them to get treated by someone else that I work with mm-hmm. just so. So that I can make sure that I'm also not wrong, because everybody, every healthcare professional is human, right? We can all make mistakes. We might miss something. Little, you, you've gotten a sense of this over the months that we've been doing the show. Even the slightest bit of information that you miss could be the difference between understanding something fully. And everybody makes errors, and that's you know the advantage of working with groups that are healthcare teams where there's multiple individuals talking with you that are all on the same page. And so even with myself, I, I know that I have. Uh, you know, flaws and I'm not perfect. Mm -hmm. And so even I try to encourage my own patients, you know, see this other person, let's see what they think. And I often will do that. You know, I maybe don't jump to it all the time. If I, if I am seeing somebody and they're getting better, then chances are I'm likely right, which we've talked about. Uh, But if things are not changing, then you got to get that second opinion. And and even the healthcare professionals should be recommending that second opinion. It's not bad. That's why we have uh, a healthcare system that we do. I always encourage people. I have lots of people come to me and say, um, you know, this surgeon recommended that I do this, should I do it? And, you know, again, I'm not a surgeon, so I give them my uh, overall view on whatever it is they're talking about. But then if they're still not satisfied at the end, I'll say, go get another opinion. Mm-hmm. You one of, the, one of the interesting things about that is people often find that they're afraid to ask for that second opinion because they have to go back to their family doctor right. and ask for that. And, and sometimes, I guess, people have had bad experiences with their family doctors in those cases um, where, you know, for whatever reason, then the family doctor feels like you're questioning their authority, et cetera, et cetera. Or maybe
0: not, but that's your impression that or the that's doctor Or that's your impression, that. exactly.
1: Yeah. And and I think it could go either way. Sometimes there is that impression, and then other times there are doctors out there uh, or other healthcare professionals who try to be too authoritative. Mm-hmm. It's 2017. It, it, we got to work together as a team, and part of that healthcare team also includes the patient. What they want is, is the most important aspect at the end, right? We can only give the optimal advice, but then... They choose what they want to do we We talk about the pros and cons to every type of treatment option, and then it 's up to the patient to choose and make their own informed decision
0: four one six eight seven oh sixty four hundred star six forty on sale. You want to talk to Dr. Lou uh, lines are wide open. We can take your calls up till. 1 o'clock this afternoon. The Dr. Pain Show just got know, revved up here. Talk radio, AM 640. 12-15, and our lines are wide open. Yeah, 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell, or info at paincarecanada.com. You want to uh, email Dr. Lou, the clinic as well. You want to book something. After the show, one Doctor Lou drlou Right. Well, yeah, that's yeah, right.
1: Man. That's the number. Everyone seems to get confused on the Lou part, though. Yeah. But yeah, it's L-O-U. Um, another case that uh, I think again, highlights the importance of the right diagnosis equals right treatment is I had another gentleman come see me, uh, a 60-year-old man. Um, He's been experiencing neck pain for the last two years, Uh, rides motorcycles, which I I love that because I ride Harleys as well. Um, And so he rides motorcycles and he was on a long haul about two years ago. And after that, he started developing this neck pain. And just since then, it's kind of been lingering around. It's never really gotten better. Uh, has gone to see, you know he's, he's thrown the whole kitchen sink at it. He's gone to see everybody all the way, physio, massage, chiropractor, osteopath, family, doctor, et cetera, et cetera. Whole thing. And he's done treatment with all of them. Like, good. Like once I went through his history, one of the things that I try to ask when people say they've been to multiple people, I try to figure out, have you given each therapy intervention enough time, right? Because mm-hmm. a lot of people will say, I've been to massage, I've been to chiropractor, I've been to physio, blah, blah, blah. And then you say, well, you know, how, what kind of treatment did you do? Well, I saw the massage once, I saw yeah. the chiropractor so once. So I've taken saw- a
0: cruise ship. I've been to Italy, Portugal, and Spain but yeah, yeah for yeah. an hour yeah
1: exactly <laughs> right. and so you know treatment does need to be uh, there, there is a dose response and needs to be done the right yep. way and he did do it the right way each person he gave a chance of about uh, 3 months to then finally heard us on the show said you know what let me uh, let me go see uh, Dr. Lou comes in uh, again I go through the full history get a mm-hmm. sense of all the things that he's done uh, you know I try to figure out is this something that's musculoskeletal could it be something else etc cetera, etc cetera. do a physical exam 60 years old, he does have some limited ranges in his neck. That's just, you know, it would be expected at that age. Um, But really, once I was able to look at him, I I basically found that what was wrong with his neck was that he just had uh, muscular endurance weakness, which is very common. Most most chronic neck pain and low back issues that are mechanical in nature that don't resolve end up being due to an endurance problem with the muscles. Um, and so I gave him four very simple exercises that I wanted him to do, mm-hmm. uh, and I told him to stop everything else. And uh, he was kind of like, "I don't have to do anything else." I thought I'd have to come here more often, et cetera, et cetera. I said, "No." I said, "Right now, I want to follow up with you in a few weeks just to make sure that you're doing these exercises, right. uh, see the progression there. But I want you to do these exercises, and that is all that you need right now." Okay. Sometimes the other thing too is when you're doing too many things, you got to give it a break too. Your body does need rest, right? People who... Uh, train really hard to understand this they build rest periods into their week of training they build it into their program of training and it's the same thing uh, with healthcare. when you're getting physical care physical therapy etc cetera, etc cetera. there does need to be a component of rest that's included so that the body can heal properly and sometimes when you go on with these types of things too much it doesn't really uh, address the issue any better the other issue is a lot of the things that he was doing was passive therapy, where a professional is doing something to you. But as I've said a million times, when you have pain, the initial stage is the passive therapy that helps it get better. Uh, It helps to resolve the underlying issue. But then the active care, the stuff that the person does on their own at home, uh, the right exercises, the right posture, the right diet, et cetera, et cetera. The other 23 hours Exactly, day. becomes yeah. the much, much more important, and that was the part that he was missing. Um, and actually, his family doctor had agreed with that and said, you know what, stop going to see all these people, go to the gym and work out, which is halfway right. Now you have to give the right things to do, right? Yeah. Uh, so that's where I filled in, where I gave him the right things to do uh, at the gym and also told him the, the things to avoid because that's also just as dangerous by doing the wrong things. And follow-up, how is he? Or you haven't seen him back yet? I have not seen him yet, okay. but you know, he, he really understood what was going on. Cool. I, I'm going to see him in a few weeks. I'll update everybody on that case, but I suspect as long as he does the exercises, um, he should be fine, which one of the other things that I've done with a lot of the patients that I've seen is I usually will challenge them. Um, and so sometimes I'll get patients who are literally doing everything wrong in their lives in terms of from the healthcare perspective. And they're coming to see me cause they want to get better because they have a chronic issue right. that has never resolved pain. Um, and I look at them and basically say it's, it has never resolved cause you're doing everything wrong. And so I'll, And I'll often give what I call my 10 day challenge, where I tell them something to do for 10 days, like change their life for 10 days, apply it and let's see how it feels. And you'd be surprised. The one thing that I don't do is I don't follow up with these people myself, because one of the biggest things that I've always said is that you can only help someone as much as they want to help themselves. I tell these people, here's your 10 day challenge, Uh, after 10 days, give me a call. Let me know where you're at. You give me a call. You give me a call. And that's a very important thing. I don't call people back because all it tells me is that you're not serious enough about your own health. Because if you care about something, at the end, I see the people. I see the people that care because at the end of that 10 days, they call me right back. They leave me a message. I call them and then I tell them the next step and they get better. But the other people that don't call me there's only so much I can do. I'm here. I'm putting myself out there to everybody listening. Uh, the next step is that everyone takes that opportunity to call and that you have to want to make the change yourself. I'm not going to babysit people if, if they don't want to make a difference. And so I, I really love dealing with the people who want to make a difference because those are the people that get better. And, you know, it's just as simple as that where when people don't follow up. And again, that's why I ask you give me a call and I make that you clear. Can. I'm not going to call you. You call me because you need to care about your health.
0: And you can call us right now. We have uh, wide open lines, 416-870-6400, star 640 on sell Your pain questions, bring them on. Dr. Lewis here, the Dr. Pain Show, talk radio, AM 640. 1224-416-870-6400, star 640 on sell Your calls, bring them on. Uh, Ian, good afternoon. Hi. How Hi. are you, pal? What's going on?
2: Uh, I, I just had a, a question about, uh, I'm a long-distance runner, and uh, about uh, three months ago, I started getting a lot of uh, pain on, above my inner ankles. Okay. Um, it, uh, it, it, I didn't seem to get it when I, when I wasn't running. It's just when I was running or when I would do, uh, like, the hop test. Like, if I was to hop on it, I would get a lot of pain as well. Okay. Now, I, I, I took several weeks off, and uh, it seemed to go away. And then, of course, once I started running again, it just came, it came right back. So I changed my shoes. Uh, got orthotics, all these types of things, but it just doesn't seem to want to go away.
1: H- how long have you been running for, Ian?
2: Um, just probably uh, like I've been taking it very seriously for probably just over a year.
1: Okay, how old are you?
2: Um, I'm uh, 39. 39,
1: and is that the first time in your life that you've ever started running, or or you used to run just not you know to this extent?
2: Um, I used to run, but just not to this extent. I've been, I've been training to do uh, half marathons
1: and, and things like that. So Okay. Any other issues, knee, hip, back issues?
2: No, everything else seems to be good.
1: It just uh, mm. just seems to be... Uh, it started on my, on
2: my one uh, inner ankle, just above my inner ankle. Uh, it doesn't seem to be a muscle issue. It seems to be more like ligament, tendon, bone, something like that. But I, I'm not sure. But then it seemed to move over to the other one, too. I don't know if it's because I it was overcompensating or I'm not sure.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, Yeah, that that is possible for sure. Anytime, you know, something hurts on one side, your body does tend to compensate um, and cause things on the other side. Usually, though, you wouldn't expect that it would be the exact same area on both sides if it was a compensation issue. Um, Have you do you have any problems? You said if you're not running, it's totally fine. But walking, that's also fine. Like just your regular day to day stuff.
2: Yeah, like I, if, I, if I'm walking, it's fine. Now, uh, what I started doing when I wasn't, when I wasn't able to run because I didn't want to lose everything I had gained, I started walking a lot. So okay. after I would walk for about an hour. I would start to feel the pain. Okay. But uh, it, it, when, I, when I run, it, it's within like the first 10 minutes. And sometimes like after that 10 minutes, I can hardly even walk back to my car.
1: Okay. And, uh, and so when you say the inner ankle, do you mean where the bone is, the, the malleolus, like right on the bone there?
2: Uh, it's, it's just above that, like, uh, you know, where it, where it's kind of indented above, yep. above the ankle. Okay. It's, it's right in there. It doesn't seem to be the calf. It seems to be, like I said, one of the tendons or bones or something. Is
1: it, what, what does the pain feel like? Is it a shooting pain?
2: Uh, it starts out as kind of shooting, like it, it's kind of sporadic and then it just moves to like a dull kind of throbbing pain.
1: Any numbness and tingling in the feet?
2: Um, no, not unless like I do use the elliptical.
1: Okay, man, no pins and needles, nothing like that? No. Okay, have you, and so you mentioned that you got orthotics, so you have seen somebody about this issue?
2: Yeah, I went to a chiropractor and got, uh, got fitted for orthotics. Um, I've been wearing those now since uh, probably for about a month and a half. Okay. Um, and I, I was just walking with them. And I tried running with them uh, for a little bit, and mm-hmm. uh, it, that didn't work either. I changed my shoes, and yeah, still nothing. And
1: so what did the chiropractor uh, think was the issue?
2: Well, I I am flat footed, so okay. that was that was one of the problems. Um, yeah, for sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, but, uh, I, I would we say d- definitely at this point, uh, if I were you, and and if I was your treating professional, the next thing that I would do is an X ray for sure. Um, sometimes stress fractures can tend to linger. Uh, It's not really that common of an area where you're describing for a stress fracture, but that doesn't mean it's impossible either. Uh, So that's something for sure that I'd want to rule out. The other thing to consider here is... um, you know, it may have been fine for that whole year, and and being flat-footed would contribute to this type of pain presentation because um, you're, you, there's a loss of arch on that side, so the inner ankle would fall a little bit no more. Friction. Yeah, and, and so uh, that could be a possibility, and this could just be kind of uh, the straw that broke the camel's back, that after you've been doing this for so long, all of a sudden uh, there's an issue there. Um I, I, yeah, like the ligaments on that area of the foot, it's actually more common to fracture the inner uh, the inner ankle on that part than it would be to to tear ligaments. Uh, unlike the outside of the ankle where the ATFL is, which is uh, the most commonly torn uh, ligament in the body. So i I would probably venture to guess that it's not a ligament issue. It's probably more uh, related to. It could also be something like because it's on both sides. Something systemic could be something neurological, right? Like if you have a disc herniation, central disc herniation that's being aggravated. Uh, I think it's more than just jumping to orthotics. I do think you should try to find somebody who can look at this uh, from an overall encompassing perspective to rule out any potential causes. But I would definitely say that an x-ray at this point is probably warranted.
2: Okay. That okay.
0: sounds good. Okay. All right. No problem. Appreciate it. We'll take a, a short break. Your phone calls four one six eight seven oh sixty four hundred star six forty on cell. Got lots of lines open. Wanna give uh, Doctor Lou a call. See, we get to the bottom of things here in the Doctor Payne Show Talk Radio, AM six forty. It is twelve thirty two here, four one six, eight seven oh sixty four hundred, star six forty on cell. Your calls always have priority. Uh, good afternoon, Barbara. Hi. How are um, you? <laughs>
3: Well, right now, I'm very good. I hope you're going to be able to give me some Mm -hmm. good information. Mm -hmm. What I have, I have arthritis in my hips. I'm older. I'm a senior. Okay. And um, in one hip in particular, and for... Um, this was aggravated a number of years ago, but it really is Im- Im- immaterial as to how. But I was taking ibuprofen, which worked absolutely perfectly because it's anti-inflammatory. But I discovered I'm one of those people that it affects the kidney function. Mm. When I stopped taking ibuprofen, kidney function went back to normal. And right. I'm now doing Tylenol, which I really don't like. And is there another anti-inflammatory that I can use that would work that way? Or am I stuck with just painkillers?
1: Um, no, you could try maybe getting a topical anti-inflammatory. So like Voltaren, which is over yeah, uh, the counter, has diclofenac mm-hmm. in it, and so that would eliminate it having to go through your body. So you could uh, apply it that way. The other thing you could do um, from an anti- uh, from an inflammatory standpoint is use other things like ice, which is a natural anti-inflammatory. TENS machines that you could buy. There's lots of over the counter TENS machines uh, that you kind of put on that area, and that'll help to relieve some of the issues. So those would be the other options for, um, you know, an anti-inflammatory perspective. Now the other thing is, if it's true arthritis there may not necessarily be inflammation there, right? And so this is something that I often see where people are told that they have arthritis of their hip and that's the issue. And I actually saw a gentleman yesterday um, who was told that he has degenerative changes in his hip and that's why his hip hurts. And as soon as I moved his hip around, there was nothing in this hip. This hip moved better than my hip. And, uh, And he was 60 years old and it had nothing to do with arthritis. What it did have something to do with was the muscles in that area from a long car ride that he had had a few months ago just were in a tense state and they needed to be released and he got and and so that's all that was recommended for him so the other thing is making sure barbara that your pain is actually as a result of the arthritis because that's not always necessarily the case
3: okay um it was diagnosed yes as arthritis because i've had the x-rays and things
1: um where um, in the hip does it hurt like, okay.
3: It it aches when I after I've been walking or standing for any period of time. I can I can move my leg back and forth, but if I start putting it out to the side, it mm-hmm. kills me. I can't okay. I you know it hurts to get it back to the front again. Is, you know, is the pain
1: kind of more in the front, like in the groin area? No, or?
3: it's to the side. To
1: the it's side, right yes. In,
3: it's right in the hip.
1: Right. So and and to an extent, you're kind of, uh, you've probably been misled on this, but most, the true hip joint is actually more towards the front in the okay. in the groin area. That's what I'm saying. That's true. People with true arthritic changes that are severe tend to feel mm-hmm. pain in that area. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean there can't okay. be a doll ache on the outside, but the doll ache on the outside, in my experience, tends to be due to other things as well. So again, it's already sounding like it may not necessarily be what you think. How have you ever, like, has anyone ever discussed with you hip replacement or? it's not that bad
3: oh yes they have and i really am afraid of it okay. um, yeah. um i hip replacement uh, what kind of all right i've done some reading and it depends on where like how do you decide where the the degenerative part is it is it the front the back is it the ball is it the is it the 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 other part of the joint like i mean and what kind of a failure rate does hip replacement have
1: um, well, well, if if the pain is usually due to severe arthritis, it it mm-hmm. usually has very good outcomes. But this is my point, where the same thing like you just said with that, you know, it's it's trying to understand is the the actual joint the source of the problem, or is it the right. muscles around it? Is it the the synovial component in between, which is called you can create like a synovitis? Um, it's something to get properly uh, assessed. Uh, Barbara is where you could get the right answers for sure.
3: Right. Okay. The okay. fact that moving it out to the side, like back and forth, I seem to be all right, Mm -hmm. other than a limit when I'm bending over, but out to the side, it really hurts. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And then it's
3: it's like a jerk, get it back. And then I'm back again. But so it almost feels like there's something built up in there.
1: Yeah. And there may very well be right. Like, I'm not saying that, 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 you know, you're, you're wrong. I, I don't know. It's hard for me to say yeah, okay. over the radio. I'm just trying to say that one of the common issues that I see with hip stuff is that people are told that they have arthritis, but then after I've examined them, the source of the pain is not actually due to the arthritis. And The term arthritis is something that's way too overused yeah, in our system. Around, it's just used yeah. all the time, and it's what you know. a lot of people say when they don't really know what's going on. It's a nice wastebasket term. It gives the p- patient, <laughs> yeah. makes the patient happy because now they think it means something. But in all yeah. honesty, a lot of the times it's doesn't but you know barbara you can give us a call uh, i'm i'm happy to assess then and we can get to the bottom of it
0: frank uh, good uh, good morning or at least good afternoon we'll get you in here before a break what's uh, what's going on with you
4: thank you uh, i have a i have a question i um i felt on my back uh when was icy last week mm-hmm. and uh what has happened i felt i have only three stairs uh the house and i felt in the back and on the right side uh, and the right side hurts me bad i went to the doctor to gp he did the x-ray and he said uh, no, not, uh, nothing is uh, rupture. nothing uh, broken, whatever it is. But uh, right now, uh, with all respect, uh, I know it's... Uh, I, uh, I have excruciating pain when mm-hmm. I get out of the bed. I right. can walk, but the problem is, with all respect, doctor, I have to tell... When I went to the doctor to GP, I thought I, I ruptured a hip or something, I don't know. So they sent me right away, the x-ray, and they say, nothing is broken, everything is okay, but right now... I'm concerned. Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong. I can walk. I'm not paralyzed. I can walk, mm-hmm. but uh, when I walk for, when I do certain motion on the body, or if I wake up from the bed, cushion very sharp pain. Sharp. What I yep. mean? Sharp. Excruciating yep. pain. Yep. Okay.
1: So one of the things that's important to also consider is that fractures take time to actually show up on x-ray if it's completely displaced where the bone is moved to a different area that tends to show up quickly but if it's just a a, you know a fracture through the bone and it maintains its shape sometimes that could take as much as two weeks to show up on an x-ray because of the process that the bone has to go to so uh this is something that again frank if you were my patient yeah i would have done the same thing your doctor did was which was uh um an x-ray right away then i would have said you know probably go get some therapy In the meantime, just some low-level pain management therapy, nothing overly aggressive. And then in two weeks, potentially x-ray again, just to make sure that nothing has showed up after that. So you're right. There could be something there. Uh, You may not have seen it on the x-ray. This actually takes me back to what I was talking about with Ian about the the foot pain and the x-ray a lot of times a lot of uh, especially in the foot bone scans can be more sensitive to pick up uh, fractures that can't really be seen on x-ray so uh yeah it's good everything up until this point frank sounds like has been done right which is getting the x-ray the next thing you need to maybe do is go see some type of a professional um to get a little bit of therapy to help manage the pain also that professional is probably going to be more experienced in musculoskeletal issues and might have a better indication as what's going on uh and then if things don't get better in about two weeks you probably could use another x ray.
4: The the problem is uh, MRI. I wonder the MRI. MRI is a precise uh, I, I request an M R I but they said uh,
1: No, not yeah. for not for fractures. That's actually no, n-
4: I, I don't have a fracture. This I mentioned to you. Did you uh, I don't think you didn't get I didn't get a fraction. This
1: is yeah, but, saying. but Frank, what I'm trying to say to you is that you can't be 100% certain after just that one x ray a few days later because it can show up two weeks later and uh, radiographic imaging like, uh, CT scans, x-rays are much better at looking at the bone than looking at uh, other things. And MRIs tend to be better for soft, soft tissue. tissue. Things. Yeah. So I'm not saying that it may not be, but you can't just jump to all those things uh, and, and throw everything at it. MRIs also take a very long time to get. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So you can request that, but, you know, it's going to be... A few months before before you get that
0: four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred star six forty on cell got open lines. Give us a call, Doctor Payne. Show would love to talk to you here. Talk radio, AM640. 1243, Give us a call. Yeah, four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred stars six forty on cell. Would love to talk to you, Mike. Good afternoon. Hi, how are you? Good, sir. What's going on with you?
5: Um, I I have this. Uh, it's like a lump on yeah. uh, just above my hand on my wrist. Okay. And I've had it for about four months now, and I looked on the Internet, and it, the only thing on the Internet, it says that if it gets bigger or if it moves up your arm or something, then to go get it looked at. Mm-hmm. But my my arm, right from my elbow all the way into my hand, is just like really, really sore. Like I, I, I was just wondering if you knew maybe what it was. Or
1: yeah, the the most common cause for for uh, lumps uh, around the wrist is a ganglion cyst, uh, which right. is usually due to some type of leakage uh, from the joint itself, uh, the synovial fluid, and then it tends to build in, in the form of a cyst. Um, so that would be, you know, again, without seeing it, if I had to take a guess that it sounds like it's probably something like that when it does leak, it usually will leak into tendon sheaths, et cetera, et cetera. And it could make sense why your arm hurts because now all of a sudden the muscles and tendons have a ball that they have to try to work around. Right. Uh, so I would definitely say
5: I can't even hold the coffee in my hand.
1: Yeah. So I would definitely say, you know, and then it could also be, it's not very common, but lymph nodes can swell up, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, I would definitely say at this point, if it's been a few months and and it's starting to cause you more problems, this is the type of situation where go get it checked out. I mean, they'll likely order an ultrasound. And if it's a ganglion cyst, um, the ultrasound will show that very quickly. And then you have a couple options that you could do from there in terms of uh, therapy.
5: Okay. Okay. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. No problem.
0: Thanks, Mike. Uh, Good afternoon, Robert. How are you? Fine. How are you? Good. What's going on with you?
5: I've got a uh, degenerative disc on C4 and C5. I've had it for several years, and it's been under control. Uh, A couple of weeks ago, I got on an exercise machine, the type that you've got to pull the handles where you're pressing the paddles on the bottom, and I seem to have aggravated something. And I've lost most of the feeling in my left arm It goes completely tingly and I've lost uh, a feeling in three fingers including the index and the thumb Mm -hmm. and the middle one and I've also got pains below the waist now going right into the calves is that something that I should see a chiropractor about uh, a regular GP yourself? Like, who Who should I speak to about
1: this? Yeah, uh, well, definitely. What It's hard always to say who the professional is because the hardest thing is you have to see a good professional. A good GP is going to be great for this. A good chiropractor is going to be good for this. But equally, a bad GP is going to be bad for this, and a bad chiro is going to be bad uh, for it as well. So you need someone who's really going to look at everything. Already with what you're explaining to me, you're talking about something at L4, L5, that makes sense for the lower limb stuff. Should not be affecting the arm. So neurological issues, uh, definitely a f- full neurological exam uh, is-, is warranted. Where are you calling from, Robert? North York. North York. Okay, so you're not far from where I actually practice from. Uh, if you're interested, I, you know, I could see you for this and, and we could try to figure out what's going on.
5: Sorry, what's your profession? They didn't mention. I,
1: I'm a chiropractor myself, but my whole team is comprised of all uh, um, all types of healthcare professionals. But I usually try to, to do the initial assessments.
5: Have you ever heard of Bioflex laser therapy? I have, yeah. I mean, do you know the doctor that uh, that invented this system?
1: I, I've, I've, I'm aware of who he is. Yes.
5: Yeah, I'm just curious because I had gone to him for several years, and he had actually fixed it. But I'd never had loss of feeling in the left arm, so I'm not sure if I should be seeing a chiro. Or if I should be going back to BioFlex, what do you think?
1: Uh, it's, I mean, it's up to you. I, I think I've kind of answered your question in that regard. In terms of it's up to if you think you have a good professional that you're confident with, then yeah. I'm not. I'm not going to intervene on that that end and try to say don't see those people. Um, so it's it's more a matter of a good professional taking a look at this, and a good professional for this would be someone who goes again through a full history. Full physical exam, including a full neurological exam, to rule out, you know, cerebellar stuff, uh, brain lesions, spinal cord issues, uh, and then through orthopedic testing, all those types of things. So I, I can't, I don't, I can't I speak uh, about anybody outside of my group of people who I know will look at this properly. In terms of other people, I'm not sure if they'll look at it the right way. So if you feel confident with someone else, then then that's you should go with whoever you're confident with. Would you order up X-rays and an MRI for a situation like this? It depends on what my physical exam found. So if I saw something in there that I thought "Mm, there's something more that I, you know, would like to see, then I would refer you to someone in my team. And then, yeah, get you, uh, uh, try to get you whatever next testing would be necessary. Where are you located? I practice myself out of Etobicoke. We ha- we do have a provider network of people that I trust uh, all throughout the the GTA and surrounding areas. So uh, we can again, I can you can leave your number with the call screener or give us a call at the 55 Doctor Lou number, uh, and we'll get you pointed in the right direction if you're interested. Hey,
0: uh, Jeannie, we'll get you in quickly here before a break. What's going on with you?
6: Hi, how are you today? Good. Uh, I'm probably not going to be explaining myself very well because I'm in so much pain. All right. Okay, uh, my doctor sent me to a gynecologist, and she said she was sending me there to get the right estrogen, but in fact, he said I have a bad inflammation, so he put me on C-L-O-B-E-T-A-S-O-L, okay. E-P-R-O-P-I-O-N, 5%, and silocaine, 5% ointment, and it's killed me. My God, I've been suffering so bad. He knows it, though. Yeah. He wants me to call him Monday, Mm -hmm. and i got to clear it before he provides me with something else. Right. And I cannot have hydrocortisone on me. My doctor tried it, and it put me through the roof. Okay. And my anxiety level has gone nuts. Okay. So what do you suggest I do? What? What can I go in and sit back with something? Can I do something to get out of the pain?
1: I mean, it's it's going to be, again, very difficult to just, in, in cases like this where there's so much going on, to do any one magic. There's no one magic cure. Yeah. Uh, I would suggest that if you have to follow up on Monday, that you follow up and you just make your treating professional very aware of what's going on. Yeah, he knows. Yeah, and so then that's the best thing is continue that conversation. There's no magic cure to pain. Uh, it's a matter of doing all the things the right way. If it's something you'd like my specific opinion for your case on, that's where I would have to go into a proper assessment because again, it doesn't do it justice. There's no one thing that I could say, "Yep, do this," and it'll and everything would be solved. Then uh, yeah,
6: yeah, I understand yeah. perfectly. So,
1: yeah, so give us a call and then we can have that proper
0: assessment, and then from there, uh, there may be uh, more options. Ginny, it's one eight five five. Five, five, Dr. Lou, D-R-L-O-U. You want to call through? you still got a few minutes here. As we get into our uh, final few minutes of the show this weekend, 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. Dr. Payne Show, right back on Talk Radio AM 640. you got a few minutes remaining to uh, call through, 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. One call we had earlier, there was a slip and fall case, I guess, uh, especially after last night. You're seeing a flood of those come yeah, through your slip, place, right? Slips
1: and falls, car accidents for sure. Yep. Uh, and we've talked about this before. Uh, anytime there's a third party involvement um, and you know potential liability issues that are involved, this is where the right clinic that does the right documentation is very important. And I, I make sure that this is something that we take very seriously at our uh, through our organization of making sure that these things are documented properly so that if they end up going a legal issue, if there's more there that you know the right things are documented and I know even when we've had Savan on the show he's talked about this uh, how important it is to to be dealing with the right people when there's injuries that you know are not due to your own fault right you it's not your fault if someone crashed into you or you slipped and fell at you know in a plaza or whatever so yeah very important that you uh um, get those things documented, right? And more so that you get the right health care, right? Because sometimes it could be something serious like that gentleman that we were hearing about, a slip and fall. There may be an underlying fracture. You need to deal with the right people who, again, consider the
0: right things. You mentioned, uh, you know, slip and falls. I bet you a lot of what you get through your clinic is wrist, right? Because as soon as you go, down go the hands, right? Yeah,
1: it's called a foosh inju- injury, actually, right. which is a fall in an outstretched arm, are very common for sure. Uh, slips and falls and car accidents for sure tend to affect... Um, I'd say the most common thing that we would see when it's related to slips and falls and uh, and and car accidents is, is spine-related stuff, yeah. for sure, because that seems to get implicated no matter for what sure. because you jar the spine. And so whether it's neck pain or, or low back pain, that is a very, very common thing,
0: for sure. Hey, Jamie, uh, good afternoon. How are you? Good, thank you. Good. Thanks. What's your concern? Thanks for
7: taking my call. Um, <clears throat> now, I've had on my right foot like right where the bone is, on the side of the foot, ever since last July, I've had this pain. And it's, I mean, I actually went to a sports doctor and they didn't uh, give me a proper diagnosis. And I had last year, um, like lots of mechanical pain, And this pain in my right foot on the side of the bone, it seems to not go away. Okay. Um, And so what
1: was it? So you said you weren't given a proper diagnosis or you don't believe you Uh, were. What did they say it could
7: be? Well, I mean, to basically, I mean, talk about this. All they said was it could be your... um, your shoes or it could be the fact that because I am overweight and they did say it could be um, due to obesity or it could just be um, mechanical pain mm-hmm. and yeah. it's still um, because when I did saw the sports doctor all he told me was to buy Vol- Voltaren. Mm-hmm. yeah Voltaren Topical. And, and
1: have, you, have you done any treatment for this Jamie whatsoever with anybody uh, outside of that sports doctor
7: i actually to be honest with you i did um, went back to my family doctor and and then i tried doing um i you know i was gonna go do physiotherapy okay but i rather um try some other uh, alternative medicines or some
1: well what do you mean by alternative medicine like what
7: well you know like i don't know maybe if there's thing that could treat this called acupuncture or
1: right and, and there may be physiotherapists who can do yeah. acupuncture to it right so yeah, yeah. You, you would need for a physical issue you need some type of a physical intervention oh. again it's it's very vague yeah. what you're telling me I would need to know more uh, obviously to figure out any specific issue like that and what the potential cause could be the other thing is it's the professional's job the, the, the reason why we're professionals is we hear a set of signs and symptoms we come up to, with certain and tests that are positive and then we make a recommendation mm-hmm. uh, and we can give you options for recommendations for sure. But you know, that type of mentality where I want to do something different. Well, it's the professional's job to give you every recommendation and you should try to choose within those recommendations for what's going on. But yeah, give us a call, uh, Jamie, and let's see if uh, we can come to some type of a conclusion.
0: In the meantime, you need to get a hold of Dr. Lou now that the show is just about complete. Uh, 1-855-55-DR-LOU is the number and info at paincarecanada.com. I think we'll uh, hang on to Tyson if he wants to after the show was done. We'll be back here uh, yeah. next week as well. In the meantime, again, one eight five 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 55 doctor lou and info at paincarecanada.com. This has been the Dr. Pain Show, Talk Radio, AM 640.